You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Josh Barker, and this is The Policy Corner. And I'm joined today by Dr. Gary Wolfram. Dr. Wolfram is the William Simon Professor of Economics and Public Policy at Hillsdale College. He's the author of two books, including A Capitalist Manifesto, the editor of 15 books in the Hillsdale Champions of Freedom series, and has published 60 journal articles or reports. Formerly, he served as the chief of staff and senior economist on Capitol Hill for Congressman Nick Smith, and as Deputy State Treasurer for the state of Michigan. He's on the ballot tonight for our local races here in the city of Hillsdale, running for Ward 3's city council seat. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about your city council run and the midterms. Well, thanks for having me. So I wanted to start things off talking about the city of Hillsdale. You've worked in government and both the state and federal for a while now and commentated from the private sector. Why have you decided to run for city council and now? Well, uh, for a couple of reasons, but one is that, you know, I want to use my experience from, like you said, being chief of staff to a congressman and deputy state treasurer here in Michigan, and to use that as a method of trying to get Hillsdale basically some extra attention from the state legislature. So, for example, uh, rehabilitation grants. Hillsdale should be having a good shot at getting that, but you have to connect, right? politics is like the who you know theory of the labor market. I think I can use, I mean, we can talk in a a moment about the roads and revenue sharing and the like, but that is something that I think that we we could really focus on. And I think I could make a, a difference in that. Another reason is because city council has been relatively negative and I just want to have a positive voice there. One of the other city council members, Greg Stuchel, had said that he would run again if I ran. Uh, just to have another positive voice there. And so I think it's important that people should think that their city council has a positive view about the community. Our community is doing extremely well in terms of rehabilitation. The Don Theater is back. It's a new Don because uh, it was supposed to, you know, it started in 1919. Yeah. Um, the Kiefer House Hotel is likely to be done mid 23 to end of 23. And it would have been done sooner, but I don't know if anybody filed. There was a thing called COVID that hit. Uh, <laughs> and lumber prices skyrocketed and all sorts of problems. Uh, but it's now functioning and uh, moving ahead. So that's another thing. And there's been several people that are buying up properties downtown, fixing up the buildings. And that's all a positive. We talk about positive externalities in my class. <laughs> you know, when you fix up your building, it increases the value of the buildings around it. And that's what we've been doing. We have a heritage community. I mean, the Kiefer House was built in 1885, right? And it's still there uh, and it's being redone. So I'm excited about what the future of the city of Hillsdale looks like. And I think I can add to that. When certainly the roads are part of that. And that's on everyone's mind. So you've spoken a little bit about why road funding has decreased in the past for the city. What hope do you have in that positive vision for increasing the quality of the roads here in Hillsdale? It's vital that we have an increase in the revenue sharing. Let me just give you some numbers. Well, do you have you have statutory revenue sharing, which is by law, and then you have constitutional revenue sharing. For example, the Constitution requires a certain amount of the sales tax to be turned to local units. And local units get to share in, for example, the income tax. I mean, the idea is you collect the income tax statewide, uh, and then you share that back out to cities, villages, and townships. 
But we had two major things happen. Uh, first of all, we had the decline in 2008 from the recession there. And then we had this odd situation with what was Proposal A that passed in 1993. But if you look at statutory revenue sharing, just the money that went from the state government to the local governments, went from $684 million in fiscal year 2001 down to $210 million by fiscal year 2012. And the last fiscal year, it had only recovered to $266 million. And that's in nominal dollars. So it's down $400 million in nominal dollars since it was in 2001. What does that tell you? It tells you that we're not going to fix, as the governor <laughs> right. said, the damn roads, right? And because if I'm, uh, you know, if you're the city, you have to fund the police, you have to fund the fire. Uh, and if you're going to fix the roads, what do you do? You fix the roads that you can get a match with, which means that it is the trunk lines. So what do you see? M99 gets right. fixed, right? But my road, Corona Circle, as in the virus, um, <laughs> Used to be as in the beer, but anyway, so it doesn't get fixed. And uh, it turns out that the longer that you leave a road, the more expensive it is, the marginal cost of fixing it gets greater. And so the revenue sharing just collapsed. Well, at the same time, Proposal A, when it passed in 1993, the idea wasn't that property values could ever fall. So what does it say? It says that your tax, your assessed value can't go up by more than 5% or the rate of inflation, whichever is less. So then what happens? There's a crash and it goes down from, let's say, 200000 to 140000 okay? It can't get back up to 200000 within a year or two years. What happens is it can only go up by 5% or the rate of inflation, whichever is less. So if you look at taxable values in 2008, it fell by $48 billion statewide by 2013, and it fell from $363 billion to $315 billion. It didn't hit $363 billion again until 2019. The latest number is $391 billion. The assessed value, which is the taxable value, if, uh, uh, was $510 billion. So that means we're over a decade, like what's happened? We have this collapse in revenue sharing. We have that we can't get our property values back to where they were. And so cities, villages, and townships are having all sorts of problems. And where do you delay? You don't not hire the police. Right? <laughs> right. Right. So what you do is you delay fixing the roads. And so it's not a matter that, you know, your local governments have just like goofed up and have spent, you know, outrageously. Their revenue sources have just collapsed. And so I'm arguing that one of the main things and what the state ought to be doing is ought to be increasing revenue sharing and getting back to the way it was back in, at least if you got it back to where to where it was, uh, you know, in the early 2000s, you'd be back in good shape. Well, and of course, this doesn't even count for inflated dollars. That in real dollars, yes. I mean, if, if we're going down in nominal terms, in real terms, we're going down significantly more. Oh, yeah, sure. With 8% inflation. You're, <laughs> you're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. I'm Josh Barker, and you're hearing Dr. Gary Wolfram, professor of economics here at Hillsdale College. I want to talk about the midterms and about inflation, actually. Economic policy always plays a role in elections, mm -hmm. but in this year, 
with cries about inflation, I'd say it's playing a very, very large role, at least in driving Republican support for Congress. So in thinking about what comes next, if the Republicans were to take control of Congress, and let's say it's the House and Senate, mm-hmm, so they mm-hmm. can get something through, is there something they can tangibly do to stop inflation? Or do you think maybe Congress isn't entirely to blame for the situation we're in? Well, there's a couple of things here. What Milton Friedman said is that inflation is everywhere and always a monetary phenomenon. So if the money supply is growing faster than output, then what you've got is inflation. Well, what happened was if you you know, were taking your principles of macro course back in 2007, you'd say, well, gee, if the federal government runs a deficit, what happens? Interest rates will start to go up because the demand for loanable funds has gone up. Well, then what do you do? If you want to keep interest rates from rising, you're the Federal Reserve. You go out and you, you buy the bonds. But when you buy the bonds, it increases the reserves of the banks because that's how the Fed buys a bond from a bank. It increases their reserves at the Federal Reserve. Well, that means that the banks can loan out more, so they create checking accounts, which is money. And so the money supply goes up. In August of 2008, the banks were holding $2 billion in what's called excess reserves, the reserves beyond what they needed. That got up to over $4 trillion. Because what happened in 2008 is the Federal Reserve started paying interest on the reserves of banks. So what happened was all this reserves got held in the banks and weren't drifting out into the money supply. Well, then what we get from July of 2021 to July of 2022, you get this massive increase in, in not massive, but you get a 26% increase in the money supply. In fact, it goes up again by another 10%. So you get up until July of 2022, you get this big increase in the money supply. Well, what's going to happen? There's going to be inflation. Now, when is the inflation going to happen? As Friedman said, it's long and variable, you know, when that's going to show up in the economy. Well, what's happened since um, July of 2022, money supply hasn't grown at all. And so what's going to happen? We're going to get a reduction in inflation. And I wrote a piece in the Washington Examiner saying that the Federal Reserve shouldn't be out there raising interest rates, right? It's a monetary phenomenon. Um, and so well, I think what's going to happen is, is that inflation is going to go down. It's not going to go down to like today, although it has been going down because if you look at year over year increase, it takes a long time for it to actually go down because you've got all this prior months of inflation. Right. So if you look at what it do month to month, inflation has been going down on a month to month basis. So we're seeing some of that happening. And I'm afraid what's going to happen is the Fed is going to say, oh, inflation went down. Oh, that was because we were raising the interest rates. (laughs) One reason the inflation is going to go down is because you've got a a decrease in the actually a flattening out of the supply of money. So that's that's the problem there. So to kind of highlight this point. I want to go back through some of what you were just saying. In 2008, we have $2 billion, billion with a B, that are being held in excess reserves in banks. So these are just money that they have, but they're not loaning it out, but they theoretically could. That grows to $4 trillion with a T. So we're talking about a a 2,000% increase. Correct. Because the banks are just holding on to more money and not loaning it out, even though... Because the Fed is paying them interest to hold it. And then what happens is amount that the Fed's paying interest on the reserves is less than they can make starting to loan it out. So when they start to loan it out, then the money supply starts to grow. Um, And so, you know, it's really the 
increase in the money supply that's coming about from this huge buildup of reserves. And why is that happening? Because we're running trillion dollar deficits. And if we weren't running trillion dollar deficits, then we wouldn't have this Fed buying up all these bonds, resulting in an increase in the money supply eventually. And so if the Republicans get control of the, ha the House and the Senate tonight, then what I would expect is that we will stop running $2 trillion deficits. In fact, uh, Biden has been talking about how the um, the deficit has been reduced by, you know, more than ever. Well, it went from $4 trillion to $2 trillion, and most of that was coming from the COVID relief money. CARES Not, Act yeah, and yeah, ARPA. Yeah, yeah, so I'm hopeful that what will happen is that the Republicans will end up controlling the House and the Senate, and we'll be able to make some advancement. Now, the, the debt limit is probably going to be reached sometime in the early part of 2023, um, so that could be used as a tool the first trillion dollar budget didn't happen till 1987. Now we're running <laughs> trillion dollar deficits. deficits like it's nothing. Uh, again, you're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. We have Professor Gary Wolfram with us. I want to shift a little bit to talking about the state government. Not only does the federal government spend a lot of money and they're worried about inflation, but our state government spends a fair amount. And there's been some debate about whether or not they should be spending as much as they do. They're not running deficits, but Representative Thomas Albert, the House Appropriations Chair in the State House, recently resigned from his position as Appropriations Chair because he argues that he's expecting a recession soon, maybe even a depression, he says. And so the state should be saving furiously everything that it has and not spending anything more than it has to. What do you think about that? Do you think we're headed for a recession? And, and do you think the state should just spend? I mean, certainly you're talking about needing to increase revenue sharing. Mm -hmm. How do you do that while being fiscally responsible if you're the state legislature? Well, I think what you do, I think that we're going to have a recession, but not till the end of 23. I think that there's uh, still, you know, the labor market's strong, but... I do think that rather than, and of course the state got all this COVID relief money, and I do think that the state should be setting aside some money because we're all gonna eventually hit a recession. But I still think that local units of government, which is why I'm running for city council, um, local units of government need the money. And that, as I you know, mentioned, revenue sharing has collapsed. Uh, the taxable values have collapsed. And so local units of government have been definitely physically stressed. And so what we ought to do is go out there and increase the revenue sharing and get the local units of government to where they're fiscally in shape. When we get another recession into 23, the local, I mean, City of Hillsdale <laughs> is not going to be doing as well uh, mm -hmm. than if what you had was you at least could get property values back up. And, and we're, and like I said, we're seeing some of that with new build, you know, new housing, some housing on, mm -hmm. on above the ground level um, in these new buildings. You know, I think that's a real positive for Hillsdale. But Hillsdale certainly could use an increase in the revenue sharing, as could all the other cities, villages, and townships. Could that destroy some of our economic development projects, though? I mean, Kiefer House opens, and then, ah, oh, man, we're in a recession. I mean, not not too many people are going to say, oh, I want to go vacation to the well, city of Hillsdale in a recession. Right, it could be. Um, although Hillsdale is a little bit unique in that what this is going to be is a 34-room boutique hotel, and I don't know if anybody's parents were here over the weekend. <laughs> um, they were probably not staying in the city of Hillsdale unless they got an Airbnb or something 
something like that, right? Um, I was talking to one uh, parent that was happy to be within 35-minute drive of Hillsdale. Even if we have a recession, there'll be one of the things the Kiefer House is going to be doing and using the Dawn Theater that connected up with that is have weddings and mm. other events. Like, I'll make a plug for my wife, but she was instrumental in bringing Jim Malcolm, one of the Scottish uh, guitar player and his wife, uh, on tour. They're, they're on tour from, uh, from Scotland, and they were going to be in Ann Arbor, and they were going to be in uh, East Lansing, and she got them to stop over in Hillsdale, and the place was packed. So I think there's enough events that the Kiefer House will do fine. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM, Dr. Gary Wolfram, before you go, I want to mention, again, your book, A Capitalist Manifesto, Understanding the Market Economy and Defending Liberty. It's available at the college bookstore, as well as online at Amazon and other retailers. But, I mean, the book is essentially our intro poly-econ yeah. uh, course 105 in, in, a, in a book. Uh, you talk about the fundamentals, you know, demand, supply, equilibrium. And then you discuss some of the figures that we read in class, Bastiat, Mises, Hayek. I want to ask you about kind of that last portion, the book that we read in political economy is how the West grew rich. Right. And, and you talk in your book, you've got a few chapters, lessons from history. There's a lot of arguments that the state of Michigan is sort of on decline, as an economy, that we've lost some of these jobs. And so the argument is that things like corporate welfare and the state SOAR fund are the way to make the state prosperous and wealthy again, and that, that there's nothing else that we can really do. What, what do you think? What, what are kind of the lessons that Michigan should learn from history from these types of things? They should learn that what is capitalism. It's not big government gets together with big business and cuts deals, right? It's limited government and it is a market way of allocating resources. And how could Michigan do better economically? Michigan could do better economically if it were to reduce its overall tax burden and to reduce the amount of government intervention, as Mises talked about it. And that's not something that the current governor has spoken a lot about. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, Michigan should just take a look at where it's been successful. And, uh, for example, if you look at the Reagan revolution, it's useful to get on YouTube. And there's a 16-minute YouTube video uh, where Reagan gives his farewell address and goes through where he had talked about originally as government's not the... The, the solution to the problem, it is the problem. I think that to focus on that, and then if you are Ford Motor Company and you see that, wow, you know, the state of Michigan is reducing its interventionism and it is reducing the uh, Michigan business tax, then what you'd get is you'd get people wanting to move in. All you gotta do is see how many people are leaving California to go to Texas right. and what companies are moving out of state of New York and, and California to move to Texas and Florida. And so I think if we just realize where did you get the big increase in economic growth? You got it where market capitalism really developed. And, you know, might call it the hockey stick of human history, like Don Boudreau talked about. So if whoever wins the governorship would make that clear that what Michigan's going to do is it's going to set up the uh, state government so that it encourages economic activity, that it will reduce government regulation, then I think that it will do better. Thank you again so much for coming on, Dr. Wolfram. You've been listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, our live election night coverage, and we'll be back shortly. Thank you very much.